You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. You've now tuned in to the Drawing Board Podcast, a powerful, thought-provoking discussion where we talk about family, relationships, ministry, community, and career. Let's see what exciting guests we have on our show today. Welcome to the Drawing Board Podcast. This is your founder and host, Andre Ebron. First, I'd like to give a shout out to our sponsors, Ebron and Associates. It's a consulting firm where we consult, develop, and support personal, professional, organizational transformation. I'd also like to give a shout out to the Viger Group, which is a full service marketing firm that can meet all of your marketing needs from your corporate organizations to your startups or your nonprofits. Make sure you go to theviagergroup.com. Now, tonight is exciting. Anytime I get a chance to highlight people doing great work surrounding the cultivation, the nurturing, the growing, the developing of our young Black kings, it is an honor for me. And it is an even greater honor when I know the integrity of the program, the integrity of the people who are running the program, their passion, their competence, their love for God and love for people. Listen, tonight I have with me the Bloom Project team. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. I have, you know, you uh, just like our hype man. I love this. You know, we need a whole intro commercial with right. you on it, okay? Hey, let's talk. <laughs> let's talk. So uh, I, I have with me, um, from Indianapolis to Fort Wayne, but I have one of the founders here, Miss Arnetta Scruggs. What's up? I call her Netta. Everybody that knows and loves her calls her Netta. <laughs> so because you are a part of the drawing board family, the drawing board nation, you have my permission to call her Netta. This is our sister Netta. <laughs> and so welcome. We also have uh, Sajada Wright. What's up, Sajada? Hello. Good hey, evening. hey. And then my frat, bro, we, we have met a few times and we're getting more acquainted. My frat, bro, Steven from Houston, but living in Indianapolis for the Hello. last four years. What's up, bro? Oh, six to the good bros. Oh, six to the good bros. Yes, sir. And then we have Nathan. What's going on, brother? <laughs> nothing much. Nothing much. How you doing? Oh, man. Listen, it's a blessing to be here. So Bloom Project, for, for those who don't know, somebody break it down for me. What is Bloom Project? How did it start? Who do we serve? How important is it that we acknowledge and continue to build programs like this? Five questions, two answers. Like a lot of questions in one. So Bloom Project actually started from an event called King's Feast. And King's Feast is an event that we have young men um, dressed in professional attire from shirts, slacks, um, ties. They meet over 100 professional males in various career fields. We were doing that event for about two years. And so one of the um, young kings came to us and basically said, I love this event, but what happens in between that time? And so that's when I was like, well, I've never been a boy, never been a man, but you tell me what you need and I will create the programs. And so for a while, we had a school agent um, at the church, um, that led to we kind of outgrew the church, but the young kings basically told me like they need a basketball court and they need food and they will come. And literally, you know, we have bloomed from there. Um, and so Kingsby's actually started out of Fort Wayne, but Bloom just started out in 
the Japanese and her son actually came to her and basically said, Can you ask your friend, can Bloom come to Fort Wayne? And that's literally how we ended up in Fort Wayne. Oh, that's amazing. And what I want to highlight though, uh, before we go into the depth of the program, which I which we're gonna talk about that, I think that it's amazing how the name Bloom really is the unearthing and the evidence of a legacy of a great man. Talk, let's, yeah. talk, talk to me about that gentleman that's near and dear to you. Yes. So when it was time to create the organization, I wanted to name it after a man that um, I learned everything from financial literacy. He didn't know from teaching me how to use coupons to go into Scott's. Um, the grocery store, because it's not Scott's anymore, but going on senior night, senior days. Um, and so his nickname was Bloom, and that's my grandfather, Ezel Bloom Stevens. And so I wanted to make sure that everything that these kings learn is the exact same thing that my grandfather has taught me over the years. That's excellent. And I think that uh, because he probably would have never envisioned uh, how deep his impact would go how deep his legacy would go because the young men that you are serving now will eventually have families and some of those same principles that he taught you that you are in turn teaching them. Uh, One of the things that I, I want to see uh, on a shirt and I I don't know if you already have it, but bloom all the team members, uh, all of the board members, I need to see this on a shirt. All right. Nadrin, I'm going to challenge you with this, man. You the guy on this. All right, here we go. Uh, Netta always say, you don't have to birth them to love them. Mm-hmm. And I need to see that on the shirt. I need, Nadrin, you got me, bro? I'm going, I'm getting a pen right now. I was just looking around like, where's my pen at? <laughs> I'm going to get it right. <laughs> All right, so. I'm going to get that right. If you know, <laughs> when I see Faison has joined us. So uh, as soon as you uh, turn your camera on. But uh, I want to talk to Sajada and to Steven. Uh, tell me, what was it like? How has it been? for you to engage a program like this? And why was it important for you to be a part of the Bloom family? So you to go ahead. Okay, thank you. So like Arnetta said, my son went to his very first King's Feast here. And if you know my son, he's he wasn't a huge talker. Um, he just, that just wasn't his nature, but he could not stop talking about all the things he learned at the event. Um, and then, of course, because Arnetta is my friend, she had that was her baby for the day because I was out doing other things. But the fact that he was so like excited about what he was learning and that all the men that were there and all of that was a lot for me because I'm a single parent. So, you know, like Arnetta said, I don't know nothing about being a boy or what that looks like, how to do that. So for me, it was like, okay, I've been watching her do this in Indianapolis for some time now. What do we need to do? Because my son that don't talk to nobody about nothing won't shut up. And I need to figure out what it is that they did to make him that way. Because he obviously got something out of it. And I knew just because I have a boy and he has friends, there's so many other boys here in Fort Wayne that could benefit from a program like that. Um, And so... Like I tell everybody, I'm with Bloom until there is no Bloom, which won't ever happen. But I'm just saying, I'm always going to be a part of Bloom. Right. I mean, on this program, you can definitely say that you're ride or die. It's okay. All right? Okay. (laughs) It's okay uh, that you are with the program thick and thin. Now, here's something 
that I want to ask before Stephen responds, I want to ask specifically to you, Sajada. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what, as a single parent, a single mother, what made you trust the program enough to send your greatest uh, blessing, your son, to be influenced by this group of people? What, what level of trust? How did, you, how did you develop that trust to send him there? Well, first, Arnett and I have known each other since seventh grade. So I'm an official family. Okay. Um, and like I said, I've been watching on social media and everything, the things that she was doing in Indianapolis. Um, and just the information that my son had reported back to me about what he had learned and what motivated him. Because if you know his story, he he struggled in middle school. It was a hard time for him. And, you know... I didn't know what to do or how to handle that. And he found people in that setting that he could relate to, that he was willing to listen to, you know, because if you know anything about kids, I can say the same thing a hundred times, but you, Andre, can say it one time and it means something completely different for him. So because of that, um, I felt like this was the program for him because he was connected and related. So it wasn't even about me. It was how does he feel? you know, um, and I could see the good in it. So that's what led me to want to let him be a part of it. Excellent. Excellent. Now, Stephen, what made you want to become part of the family, sir? Yeah. So I wanted to join Bloom Project just because I wanted to get out and mentoring. I was in a program called the Manhood Achievement Network, which was started by our frat brother, um, Gerald Scott. And I thought it was necessary um, when I got to, right after I graduated from college, I was back home. I took a year off in between law school, in between college and law school. And, um, I needed to work. So I worked in juvenile probation and working in juvenile probation showed me that I had a passion for kids that I never knew existed. Um, especially kids who look like me. Um, it was, a, especially with juvenile kids who are incarcerated, they are an often looked over group. And so I left, of course, and I came to Indianapolis and I was looking for a group to get, to get into so that I could mentor and provide accessibility. Um, I think that's a good thing about Bloom Project. We have real estate investors, people who work for the government, attorneys, people who teach in higher education. Um, we provide a broad, a broad array of opportunities and access to these young kings. If you want to do this, either we're doing it or we know someone who's doing it. And I think for little for little black boys in the hood who come from these different areas that get all these negative stereotypes, we don't tend to have that access or we don't know what to do when we do, are provided with that access. And I just wanted to be able to show them what that looks like and how to go about it. And so to be a part of an organization that is intentional about making the kings first and their needs first, um, it was a good, it was a straight sell for me. Oh, excellent. What about you, Nadra? What made you want to join the family, sir? Um, well, actually, with me joining the family, I initially moved to Indiana. Uh, about three years ago, I didn't know anybody, didn't really see a lot of people that looked like me. So um, I just actually met a random friend. We started talking in an actual polo store. It's so crazy. And he was like, hey, do you want a mentor? And it was something that I was already doing in South Carolina, but it was just me. I didn't have any organization. It wasn't really organ- organized or anything like that. It wasn't a nonprofit. And um, the first initial meeting, we were, we were, and I would never forget, we were bowling. And even though I just met everyone, it started an automatic competition. And I mean, we were trash talking there. It was all a good foot. So it was like, man, I've never met these people before, but it was just like an automatic family bonding. And that made me wanted to just be more involved, just off meeting the other mentors and everybody that was involved with it. So um, besides meeting more people that looked like me, that was my age, just be able to have that impact in a more organized manner of something that I was already trying to do in South Carolina. And I mean, 
it's it's been an amazing experience. Um, it actually made me feel like I, it had it gave my life more purpose being an Indiana based from outside of just working. So I actually started enjoying doing the mentoring side of it and just the fellowship more than the job I was doing in Indiana. So that's something that I will always remember. It's something that makes me always want to be engaged with the Bloom Project. So that's amazing. And then I see we have here uh, Brother Faison. Um, what I have realized in listening to all of the uh, from the founder to the mentors to uh, the Fort Wayne lead, uh, Ms. Sajada, is that no matter what point of engagement you come in with the Bloom Project, that you also will be impacted. And I think that that is amazing to see that it is just as meaningful for the mentors and for the founders as it is for the mentees and the young kings that are a part of it. Now, Brother Faison, you come to the program as a young king, right? Yeah, I do. <laughs> okay, great. Tell, tell me about your experience, some of the things that uh, Bloom Project has exposed you to. How has, been, how has your experience been being a young king? Uh, so basically, I'm going to go back to the beginning. Uh, the first time I like even heard of Bloom Project, I was in a program already called uh, My Brother's Keeper. And uh, I was already like learning some stuff there, but I didn't know that they were like, I didn't know they were connected to Bloom Project until my mom told me. And my mom was trying to get me and my brother to join like more community stuff and things like that. So we went to like the meetings and stuff like that. We started to go and I'm like a really like quiet, shy person around like new people, but it was really like engaging and like the, the mentors and the kids and everybody like was just like talking to me. Like they already like knew me and see me before and everything like that. So it was like really like welcoming. And on top of that, me and my brother, we've learned like a lot of stuff like through these programs and it's helped us a lot through like school and like even like, even like uh, implementing like things that we learn there into our daily life. And it's just, it's a really good program and we really enjoyed it. Oh, that's great. If you as a young king could give uh, just a word of wisdom to adults who look to mentor young men, what would you say to them? Um, that's a good question. I'd probably, I'd probably say something along the lines of, uh, learn about someone individually so you can know where like basically where they come from and stuff like that. And you can help them with some problems that they might be having mentally or physically, just like understanding them. And the more you understand them, basically the easier it'll be to help them with whatever they need and to help them succeed in life. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing. So uh, you're saying individualize your approach when dealing with each young person. I think that's awesome. Now here, Annetta, I have a question for you because I sit back and I observe more than I speak, even though I talk a lot. Um, one of the things that I noticed about your leaders is that you all from year to year, you custom tailor your programs based upon the mentee's interest. And I think that uh, especially when you get among a group of, and I've been, a part of several different mentoring facets from, you know, seeing what's happening with MBK, seeing what's going on with different groups. And I've seen a group like us get together in a boardroom, put together a, a great logic model to send off to get funding, draft a 12-week program, uh, package it, throw a seal on it, send it out and tell young people, this is what you're going to learn over the next 12 weeks. But what I saw you do 
is you've cultivated such a relationship with your young kings that you customize the program year to year. And I've, I've seen you say, what do you all want to learn about? What do you all want to do? Tell me what you want to do and we'll make it happen. Like, where do you get that strategy and approach? Where does that come from? So it all goes back to the beginning. So I've never been a boy. I've never been a man. So I can't teach you how to be a man, but I can make sure that there are men around you. And so that's very important. Everything that we do from any event, I'm calling one of the kings and saying, so does one o'clock work or does two o'clock work? Like, I don't do anything without their permission. So when we talk about curriculum and everybody's like, so what, what do you base it off of? It's all youth led. We're a youth led organization. They come to, they always talk to me about different events they want to have. Well, we're going to have them. I'll find the money is if you follow me on social media, you know, I don't have a problem at all asking either. You're going to say yes or no. <laughs> but when it comes to our young people, you can either complain. One of the hashtags that Sajada uses is, Say, is it what is do your more, say less? Yes, do more, say less. So, for me, you can talk all day on social media about how the youth aren't doing this and they're not doing that, but what are you really doing? Right, yeah. so yeah. for us, when they, they want to do a conference and they want to talk about issues that's going on in the community, let's create it, let's make it happen. We created one event. Um, years ago, it was called Are You Mad or Not? And it was basically to talk about police interaction and um, bring our young kings with police. And so we made sure that the police wasn't sitting on one side and the youth weren't sitting on the other side. It was all about making sure that they talked. And I always tell people all the time, my kids don't do fluff. So you can go to another organization if that's what you want. But they're going to tell you how they feel. And it might not come out as how you want it to come out. But this is how they talk, period. And so if that's not what you like, then Bloom might not be for you. But for me, I want King Faison and every king that comes through our program to feel that they have a safe space and that we are going to protect them, whatever the situation is. Absolutely. Uh, and this question is for anyone. Feel free to jump in. Um, in the current climate in our nation, particularly, uh, and, I'm, and I'm piggybacking on uh, your statement about how you were able to create healthy relationships with law enforcement and your young kings to bridge that through conversation and connection, right? So that's how community is built, these conversations, these connections. Um, how important or what is it that young men need to hear as it relates to their social interactions uh, with their peers, one, and then two, uh, are we coaching them on how to properly engage with law enforcement? Anybody can jump in. Um, we're definitely having those conversations with them. Like she said, we're very authentic with them. We allow them to express themselves, be um, whether it's um, in any kind of way. So we're expressing their emotions, expressing their outrage, expressing what they think needs to be changed. We don't filter them. We give them the opportunity to express that. And then we let them know, um, based on historical interactions with the law enforcement departments, we, I understand that you feel this way and this is how you should react. Now, in the other, on the alternative, you should react this way in this situation. But if you truly won't change, then this is how you go about that. Understand it may not be easy. Understand you may not get what you want the first time you go around. 
But if you stick to it and you stick to it long enough and you get the right amount of people and you get in the right ears, you can make change. So we definitely make sure we talk to them about how to engage with those. And we have honest conversations with them about their feelings because they are paying attention. They are aware of what's going on. And we want them to, um, like she said, always be with us and to always feel safe with us. Excellent. Excellent. Brother Faison, question, man. Uh, you're a Gen Zer, and there are so many um, generational gaps from mostly, most of the mentors that are coming to you are millennials, uh, disruptors, and uh, then before them is Gen Xers. We got some Gen Xers. So most of the mentors across the nation now are Gen X and millennial. Those are the, the ones in the professional working spaces that are bringing change. You as a Gen Zer, what what do you think is the common? Here's a, it's a challenging question. What do you think is the common thread from Generation X, Millennial, and Gen Z that could unify those those three generations? Oh, jeez, uh, that might take me a little bit of thinking. I've never I never heard a question like that. <laughs> Yeah, so so think about it. I want you to think about it because here's what I've noticed um, just in conversations. I'm, I'm talking to baby boomers. I'm talking to Gen Xers. I'm talking to us, we as millennials. And then I'm talking to my, my children are Gen Zers. And so their perspective of where the world is going and the millennials and the Gen Xers, the level of preparation that they're providing to the Gen Zs are sometimes there's a, a gap there in how the, the mentors are preparing the Gen Zs for a world that did exist at one time, but it's not the world that will be. And I wonder if that in some way, how do you make sure that your voice is interwoven? And I know the mentors and the founders are saying that you have a voice, so I want to hear it. How do you make sure that there's a common thread between what you're being taught and what it is that how you see the world? To be honest, I think the main way that like uh, our generations like will be able to understand like the way like where the world's moving more and come to like a bigger a better conclusion is uh, just by talking a lot more about how we th- like about how we think about what's happening in the world right now. Like, because I know a lot of people have a different opinions and like thoughts on what's happening right now. Some people are like, "Oh, it's not so bad." And others are like, "This is like the end of the world." But communication is key for me and i think that the more we talk the more we understand and the more we can find a solution to the problems that are happening yeah that's what i totally agree and feel free mentors to jump in is that like my children uh gen zers haven't had that face-to-face direct uh conflict with racial discrimination while me as a millennial i have while those is in gen x have come with more face-to-face conflict. And of course, the baby boomers have dealt with a whole a whole nother level of conflict as it relates to racial inequities. But because some of the you know millennials have positioned ourselves in suburban areas where our children are going to better to different schools and things of that nature, that, that's not the context or their experience. And one thing that I ask myself, we love you all's feedback, is when we talk about some of the racial discrimination that we have experienced, do we begin to perpetuate a perspective of fear for our children who haven't had that experience? Uh, do we ingrain in them a culture of not just awareness, but 
uh, particularly may jade their perspective based upon we're saying that this is how it is? Are we doing the injustice there? You know, honestly, I think they still deal with racism. So that doesn't that doesn't stop like because of the generation they're in. Um, And so I think they have their own perspective of what they've dealt with. Um, When everything started happening with George Floyd and um, Indianapolis, we had Drajan Reed, all these police action um, shootings. Um, we had that conversation with Bloom. We just had um, a couple of Zoom calls that it was it was nothing formal. It was just really just to get on the Zoom chat and just say, I'm not okay. And so we had parents that, you know, how do I, or what do I say to my son in a situation where I'm teaching him, this is what you're supposed to do to comply. But now it's, even though I comply, I can still die. So that's what the conversation is now. And for us, I don't know how to answer that. Our mentors don't know how to answer that. You can still say, yes, sir, no, sir, yes, ma'am, to police officers and still die. And so what do you tell your kids? You know, most of my parents, they have called me and said, I just want my baby to come home. That's it. You know, we can fight your battle but I need you to come home first, get the police officer's name, number, whatever, even though if they're in the wrong, whatever, I just need you to come home. That's it. And we'll fight it after that. Yeah. Anybody else want to weigh in? Um, I, I guess for me, I would say that it's very important. I know that um, Arnetta and I, we went to a movie. Um, I forgot the name of the movie, but we went to a movie. Mercy. Yeah, we had a, I can hear you. Oh, let me turn this fan off because I'm I'm sitting outside in the South Carolina heat and it's hot. So um, <laughs> um, we went to the movie and it, it gave me a chance to really, and I've never shared this story before. I told in public just something that I actually experienced as far as um, just dealing with police and, and racism. So my parents are from an older generation. Um, my dad is over 70. My mom is in, in her 60s. So they actually lived through the civil rights you know, whole movement as they were growing up. So it's something kind of talking to them about. And it's like, in all honesty, I just had to tell them, I said, I don't know how, how you could not be angry. And <laughs> it's, it just amazes me. Like, just like they say, well, you know, that's how it's been. And that's something they've always known. But for me growing up, it's like, I've seen it. But at the same time, I know that this isn't a norm. This isn't a norm that we're supposed to have. So me just having that <clears throat> upbringing of, having those stories of real life of, of seeing the whites only the, the blacks only signs, seeing the, the dogs being pulled out. Um, it's something that when I talked to the young Kings and told them about my experience in 2011, telling them, you just have to be vigilant. You just have to be aware of the danger out there. Um, also be respectful. And just as Stephen said, know how to handle things the right way. Knowing that you have uh, organizations like bloom, you just know who to talk to and having that safe space to where you can talk and like Arnetta said, get the officer's name, get their, get their badge number to where you can combat things in the right way. But at the same time, still be vigilant and be careful about your surroundings, because I'm, I'm, I'm not going to go into the experience now. But just from what happened in 2011, had we had the, the media and the social media presence that we have now. It, it could have been a whole nother thing. And a lot more people would have known about what happened to me versus me just going through telling my parents because at first I didn't want to tell them because I was actually in Alabama. I was 
away from home by myself and I didn't know anybody. And it was just like, what is happening right now? But because my parents have had that conversation with me um, as far as how to how to handle police, how to interact with police, um, being respectful, um, I knew what to do. I've also been raised in South Carolina for 20 years. So for me living in South Carolina, being raised down south, um, I've had a lot different experience with it than what, say, someone who may have grown up in the Midwest or something. Um, I'll just be honest. It's a lot more in your face being down south. It's like, yeah, this is this is what's happening. So you kind of it, it's something that you kind of learn how to navigate when it's something that can happen at any given time. And it's like an everyday norm. Yeah, and I bring I bring I bring that up, and I know in South Carolina, the governor. Uh, this was just a few years ago. Uh, you know, made sure that the uh, Confederate flag wasn't flying anymore down there. Uh, but I brought that up because I hear this term, and I would love for Bloom to weigh in on it. And I I've, I'm seeing it on them several times per day. And the the phrase is, "It is time for us to shift and to change the narrative," right? But I want to know. Because when we're talking about shifting, changing the narrative, what are we shifting and changing it to? And who are the dominant voices to determine the next line of where this narrative goes? Bloom Project is instrumental in that. So what is the narrative that you all are outlining for the Kings, especially even in the term of how you refer to the young gentlemen, you refer to them as young Kings. What's the narrative that we're pushing there? I think for me, it was actually the, the title of our King's Feast, it's more than a hashtag. And these kids have so much more to offer than RIP and sleep peacefully and letting them have their voice in what they want this world to look like for them, um, I think, is how we change that narrative. Because every young man isn't a drug dealer or a thief or sports um, analyst or player or whatever. We have young men that want to be teachers and doctors and artists and all of these things. And I think for for me, at least, being able to help them foster those things so they can be those things is what's going to change the narrative. Oh, that's amazing. And I know with bringing in the hundred professional men, uh, I know in one room, because I've been in that room, uh, like Stephen was saying, there's been doctors, there's been lawyers, there's been, um, you know, graphic designers, there's been uh, fashion designers, there have been uh, artists, uh, there have been, you know, I've seen, I saw what you did with uh, Fresh Laundry, Theo Smith, you know, back in Fort Wayne, I, I saw that whole piece. Uh, I, and for whatever industry you could think of, there was a, a police officers there, um, from the state level to the county level to the city. And so whatever profession they were considering, there was a man there uh, who was acquainted. And what I love, check this out, uh, Sajada, what I loved is that it wasn't just someone who's engaged in the profession. I was telling Netta, these are people who are performing at the top of their profession. Like these people are, you know, consummate professionals who display a level of integrity that can be trusted. So I, I just wanted to beat beat two two. So now we are at the beat beat two two. What's happening with Bloom? I see we're giving away thousand dollar scholarships. We yes. have OGs graduating. We're giving away Chromebooks. Like Bloom has stayed active in the pandemic. Talk to me about what's going on. Yeah. So this is our um, 
this is our first year, like I was kind of, you know, talking to you about offline, is that this is our first year. The founders, the kings um, are graduating. So, you know, when you have this young king that started with us when he was, um, honestly, when the one, um, Treshawn, he was 10. Um, Mm -hmm. And so we actually started the program. You had to be 12. But for him, he he came with his brother and he came up to us. It was um, Brandon, Brandon and I. And he just said, my name is Treshawn Jones and I want to be a social worker. And for me, I was done. Like, yes, <laughs> you can be in the program. Boom, boom. We go tailor it towards you. Right. And so because he him and his brother would sit at the front in the front row. They would take notes and they can tell you exactly everything that the presenter said to you at the end. And for me, that was just so amazing because you have 16, 17 year olds. It's just like, I don't even want to be here. Right. So when you have a 10 year old um, and then to now see he's graduating, like for me, you know, that's Trey is definitely my baby, like my baby all the way. Um, And so that was huge for me. Um, We had chance. We had so many that graduate graduated this year and have graduated in the past that we're starting to like, oh my gosh, we had our first um, college graduate two years ago. And so I'm like, oh, wow. I remember, I remember when you was in high school. Now you, you know, you're an engineer. So like, so it's huge. Uh, We, um, Nadrin actually moderated our speaker series and we had all of our um, kings come back and talk. And it was an amazing experience because for me, I didn't realize how much they learned from being a part of Bloom. And I'm just sitting there listening, like video off. And they're just, you know, having a conversation with Nadrin. And so just to hear how much they have matured. Um, and they're like, I want to do this again. So Sajana can tell you her son was on. Um, and he was like, so when is the next time we get to do this? So they love the opportunity to tell everything that they learn and how much they want to teach the kings after them. Yeah, my my son was definitely very, he was very happy. Um, He is very hard on himself. So he was like, mom, I sounded special. And I'm like, you did fine. You talked from your heart and that's all that mattered. Um, And watching him grow from this young kid that didn't really talk to other people to literally when he comes into town, he's picking up his cousins and spending time with them and telling them things and speaking on zoom calls is amazing for me because like you can ask him how school is, how's work, whatever. He doesn't say anything. You ask him, Hey, we have something going on for bloom. Are you coming? Yeah, I'll be there with what I got to do or whatever. And so I think having that for him and so many other people is a a huge thing, you know, and being able to talk to each other, you know, because Monty doesn't really know um, Justin very well or any of the other young men that were on that call, but they were able to learn from each other. I could see it in their, their faces and the wheels turning, you know, and I think that's amazing because I don't think we do that enough with our community. We're not willing to listen to each other and learn from each other. So, I think us being able to foster that for them is amazing. Yeah, absolutely. And so now here, here's the question that I have for Brother Faison again. Brother Faison, <laughs> we are in the middle of two pandemics, I like to say. 
All right. Like what and what is the greatest challenge navigating the educational system for you all at this time? The greatest challenge is probably adapting to using like online sources and like just doing stuff electronic electronically, not like as hands-on as we grew up with. Cause like, I know that like last school year or whatever, when we like, when that, when that, all that happened uh, in the second semester, like I'm glad that like, I was glad that I went to like a somewhat like easier school than what I was usually used to. Cause like, I probably would have like done terrible because adapting like that fast is just absurd. But, and I know a lot of like my friends and a lot of other people like struggled like learning on the computer. And some of them are like, you know, the schools are like, wow, they did terrible. Should we like bring them back to school or should we just, you know, keep it safe and tell them to go back home. And some of my friends are like, yeah, I'm going back to school because I really can't do this online. And others are like, well, I don't want to get sick. So I'm going to try to adapt and learn at home. But that is probably the biggest challenge for like for the educational system right now is like just adapting to everything that's like happening so fast because it's super hard (laughs) i know from experience let me ask you how did bloom assist you with adapting uh throughout the school year so besides like uh because i know that like after all that happened or whatever, me and my family were like a little confused about like where Bloom and all the, like the other programs that we're into were like going to go or whatever. So I was just kind of like, I was kind of on my own a little bit, but next year I feel completely confident that I'll do good because of something that Bloom gave me actually. They, uh, the Chromebook scholarship, I received a, one of those Chromebooks and I don't have a, like a laptop to myself at home here. So like me and my mom were like thinking, we're like, oh, we got to get you like a laptop because you're not going to school next year. You're going to be staying at home doing your work at home. And I was like, well, we got to find a laptop real fast. And I'm like, oh, how lucky scholarship popped up. <laughs> so that's definitely going to help. And I already got it organized and everything set up for this upcoming year. So I could do Yay. really nice. And- so thank you, Miss Arnetta. <laughs> that's excellent. That is excellent. So, uh, you all, like I said, $1,000 scholarships. Uh, you all have had, for those who may not be well acquainted with Bloom, uh, you you have had NFL players come and uh, donate. You've had the support of Parkview. Um, uh, I can't think of the technical term, but their programming, you've had them help a lot of community leaders come through and they've helped. Uh, what's, the, what's the name of Lido's program? Because I know I've seen him. Mike Lito's uh, business. Okay, the sports agency that's there. Oh, Rise Advisors. Oh yeah, I, I've seen I've seen them there. And uh, what's funny for me, you all, is growing up with these you know people and seeing us now. And I've I talked to Netta offline, but realizing that now we are the OGs. Okay, <laughs> like this this is an interesting position to be in, uh, mm-hmm. but realizing that we are now in this role. Um, let me ask you all, and I, you all are a model program that I know for sure, whether people acknowledge or come to you personally, that they take some of the same approaches that, that you're taking with your young kings and modeling programs that they're building to impact more youth. Uh, what would you all say to the community leaders that are endeavoring uh, to build programs such as Bloom? Or first, let's figure out, 
for those who desire to participate, mentor, or donate, how do they get in touch with Bloom? Yes. So um, our website, which I actually just put in the comments as well, is www.bloomprojectinc.org. We will definitely give back to you. We would love for you to donate. We're always looking for mentors. We're looking for volunteer staff. We're looking just for volunteers. If you have expertise in any of the above, just please reach out to us wherever you are, because right now we are virtual. So Mm -hmm. we have, clearly we have our Project King director in Houston, and we have our new Bloom Project, which is, um, it's called the Bloom Evolution, which is our alumni association, which is Nadrin. Um, He's our new director for that, and he's in South Carolina. So we are everywhere right now. Oh, man, that's amazing. So I, I love that. So on this call now, we have Detroit, we have Houston, we have South Carolina, we have Indianapolis, and we have Fort Wayne. Did I miss anybody? Mm-mm. No, I didn't. So listen, <laughs> for those of you, I'm placing I'm placing a demand out there uh, for those of you who are connected. And I am going to put, of uh, course, the best fraternity in the entire world, on the entire planet and universe, uh, Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated. Brothers that are listening, uh, chapters across the nation and the world, uh, please uh, tap in. I know the Indianapolis chapter has been very active uh, and supporting and leading those initiatives or supporting those initiatives there. But I'm putting a challenge out to those. I'm also putting a challenge out there to all mentoring organizations to tap in, help out. Let's collaborate. We can do more together than we can apart. Uh, Our children and this nation are going through such a shift. Uh, particularly uh, the identity of the young black male, the young king, uh, is under attack um, in a way that it it is definitely a strategic effort on the parts of those who are in power. Uh, That is an Andre Ebron thing. That is not a Bloom thing. That is not. So those, I I said that, I just want to put myself on record, Uh, but I, I said that, and if you heard me, and whether you were offended or interested, I'm challenging you to get involved. Um, if you provide more criticism than you do commitment, uh, your voice begins to stop at the point that your commitment stops. So if you're doing more talking, I'm, we're going to take it from Sajada. Uh, do less, do do more, say less. And uh, Nadrin is getting the shirts on deck. I got to get me one. This is what I want it to look like, bro. I want the big bloom project on the back, right? Shoulder blade to shoulder blade. And then on the front of it, I wanted to say, uh, you don't have to birth them to love them, right? We're going to say it. And this is what we need to do. I want to collaborate. Uh, Steven, here's my challenge to you, man, because you're a networking person. I know you got people on deck. Uh, collaborate with industry professionals that will be willing to wear it first, right? And so it's going to be a collaboration t-shirt where, we'll, where the proceeds will go towards Bloom Project and scholarships or however you all seem fit to allocate. That's on you all. Uh, but I'm going to go ahead and um, you can put me down for five shirts. So you got me? My good? Let me know when you're ready. All right? So the drawing board. You're good to go. Next. Uh, we're going to get it going. Now, listen, I'm going to put myself at the mercy of the youth. Uh, Brother Faison, does that yes, sound sir. like you – know, you can tell me, man. Does that sound like a good idea or is it whack? You can let me know. No, that's a good idea. Okay, all right. 
I was about to say, oh man, don't put me, don't put, I don't put me in the pocket for the face, huh? Don't let me down, bro. No, but uh, but no, we definitely uh when I can tell you from the times that I have had the privilege of of speaking at Bloom, uh, when I tell you it has been an honor. And what I love is that the youth are not afraid to challenge those who are presenting information. And uh, what I have always been taught is that if you can't defend the information you are presenting, uh, then you don't know it well enough to be imparting it to someone else. So uh, I loved it. You know, all these nuggets. Come right. On. Dropping knowledge. You know, Come on, keep I going. I so I can take notes. Let's go. Right. Let's go. <laughs> uh, driving down to Indianapolis and, and listening to them speak. Uh, listening to your young kings uh, speak and like digest the information, challenge different points. Like, well, no, I didn't agree with him when he said this. Or I remember uh, Sajada, the young man who I continue to follow up with. When I was sitting there talking yeah. to him, he was looking at me in my face like, yeah, all right, bro. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That was pretty good. Now that other part, I, I don't know. But uh, what I loved about it is that more than anything, when we teach our young men to think for themselves, they will always be able to navigate situations and find out what is the greatest benefit for them. Look, so let me ask you all. Uh, when doing work with young men, just a message to the young kings that are listening. Brother Nadrin, I'm going to start with you, and then we'll take it backwards. Uh, Brother Nadrin, what is your message to the young kings that are listening to this podcast tonight? Uh, amidst, we're in a double pandemic. Uh, school is not going to look the same next year. Uh, education will not look the same next year. Like, what what is your word to them? Um, I would say... My word to them would be just just continue to strive for greatness. I mean, that's something I'm, I'm a big LeBron fan. So um, just continue to strive for greatness. <clears throat> every day is not going to be the best day, um, but you just make the best out of every day. Um, with, cl- with, cloudy, with cloudy weather, you appreciate the sunshine more. So just continue to keep striving. I've been using this word, I don't know why, for the past couple of weeks, but continue to be vigilant. Just, just keep going forward because um, – Life is a is a marathon. I mean, people say that, and it's it's kind of cliche to say, but at the end of the day, you're gonna have hurdles, you're gonna have puddles, you may even have to, you know, take an alternative route, but you just keep going, and that's that's what matters the most. Just just keep going. Um, slow progress is better than no progress, so you just have to keep going, no matter what, every single day. I mean, no matter how hard it gets, even if you just get up and you just say, "Hey, thank you for the day," and that's all you have enough energy to do. That's good enough. So just stay vigilant, keep going, uh, make the most of every day. Yeah. Now, Brother Nadrin, I'm looking at you on camera, but when I was listening to you talk, here's the imagery I got. When I was little, they used to have these chairs, these uh, lawn chairs that had three parts. You remember the lawn chairs that had three parts and the little netting? I saw you sitting on that lawn. You gave me the South Carolina answer. That boy had on socks and sandals with that answer right there. He said... He said, yeah, he said, every day won't be great, but you got to make it. I said, go ahead. Listen with them socks and sandals, brother. I was with you. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I, as I'm talking, I'm, <laughs> I'm outside, but I'm literally staring to my parents' backyard. So I got the green grass. I got some trees over here. It's a little hot. So I got my towel just to keep, you know, keep wiping off every mm. so often. <laughs> oh, listen, I, I can tell. I'm not going to ask you. 
And this this is not a stereotypical answer. I'm not going to ask you what kind of Kool-Aid you got sitting next to you, bro. I won't do it. I won't do it. Okay. Okay. So I'm, I'm just going to say this. Our yeah. daughter gave me, she gave me slack about this and she's been asking. Yes, I am finally drinking sweet tea. Oh, I sweet tea. There we go. All right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, good stuff, man. So, brother Stephen, tell me, man, what's, what is what is your word to the young kings? Those who succeed in life are those who never give up. The end goal is always worth it. And the journey may not look the way you want it to look. But when you get there in the end, it'll be more all the more worth it. Um, it's always going to be a fight. Nothing never came easy to us, but the stock from which we are made of is rich, it's potent, and it's powerful. So you'll have your down days and you'll have your up days. But remember, you are stronger than you think and that you can get there. So keep your head up. Amen. Absolutely. Let me ask you, Brother Stephen, do you journal on a daily basis? I do not, but I am a writer. You're a writer. Okay, I can tell. I was like, he got that quote somewhere in his journal, in his phone. He's like, when I go on this call today, I'm going to say, drive and keep your head up. No matter what you do. I was that You was ready for it. He was like, he said, here's the moment. Here it is. Oh, plus, I know you're, you're hypervigilant about organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I watched how you were facilitating uh, when I was down there, King's Feast, Indianapolis, and something did not come on time. And something was happening. There was a delay. And I, I watched how what I'll call a righteous indignation. I won't call it anger. I'll call it a righteous <laughs> indignation. And you were like, oh, this needs to move right now. You're, I said, well, go ahead, brother. Go, go get it done then. <laughs> Arnetta talks about that side of me all the time. She says a totally different Stephen comes out. Yeah. Oh, I, Listen, I saw it and I said, oh, yeah, he's playing no games with whatever should have happened. And uh, <laughs> you made sure that it was saw and it was done. And then you did the proverbial walk away, like that's what should have happened in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Uh, so let me ask Sajada, what is your word to our young kings? So I think I've been on a couple calls today, and I think one thing that um, we don't do enough of is telling them to be you, whatever that means. Be authentically you. Like don't do something because of how you think you may be judged or to please someone else. You need to be authentically you because you won't ever be happy with what you have going on. If you're trying to be someone that you're not. I agree. I totally agree. Uh, have you seen that shirt? It says, be you, they'll adjust. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's, that is a, I totally agree. And I, since I have been watching you this entire, uh, you know, zoom call, I'm getting brandy vibes from you. Sitting up in my room, back. I can't sing it, but that I was like, "Hey, look, you know how back in the day you used to be leaning while you're talking." She leaning uh-huh. the blinds right there, like, "Yeah, make sure them blinds closed. I don't want the sun coming in." <laughs> uh, you know what? Yeah. That's okay. I'll take brandy. I like brandy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, brother Faison, it's on you, man, and and your word uh, to our young kings, your peers. Uh, what would you have to say? I would say make sure that as well as your physical health, your mental health is also extremely good because like a lot of people like are extremely caught up with like their physical health. And some people like just have some problems that they need to like let out. And it's so easy to just like, to just like ask someone like, how are you feeling? They're like, Oh, I'm, I'm okay. No. How are you feeling? How are you feeling? And just that like a simple conversation, like for a few minutes or an hour or multiple hours can just like make somebody's day like infinitely times better than it was 
before they started talking to you. And a lot of things like a lot of things can just be solved by just like communicating with each other and making sure and checking up, making sure everyone's okay. So I just encourage everybody to like reach out to everyone next to them or around them and just ask them how they're feeling and what they're thinking about and how they're doing. Absolutely. I'm not going to mess with you because I don't want to become a meme. All right. So I'm pretty sure I'm just going to leave you alone right there. All right. I will ask this question. How long have you been growing the peach fuzz? I can, I can tell you. You're working on it. I I can tell. You're like, no, no, just line this part up right here. Don't, don't lie. lie. I was, I was wondering if that was visible or not. I've been growing it for a few months. (laughs) I can tell. I can tell. It's coming in. Don't worry about it. And Netta, what, what's your word to our young kings? Um, so there's so many, but um, just to kind of piggyback off what Faison said, um, it's okay not to be okay. Amen. Right. Um, and then my aunt says this all the time, my Aunt Peggy. Oh, yeah. Love her too. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, it's not where you start, but it's how you finish. So that's very, very important. And I think what I always tell kings all the time is, I love you. That's it. Oh, that's good. Hey, love is that that uh, force that transcends all barriers. Mm-hmm. I have seen the most thugged out person, uh, you know, that love is it, it. Those impenetrable walls that they have up, love just breaks all of that down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, you know, scripture says that that love, that word is powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword cutting asunder the bone and the marrow, the soul and the spirit, and it is a discerner of the hearts of men. And what I receive from all of you all is that love makes the difference. Uh, When you encounter Bloom Project from listening to Brother Faison, Brother Stephen, my man, uh, let me tell you, Brother uh, Nadrin, and to Sajada, when you all said you engaged with Bloom, what you said is you immediately felt welcomed, and it's because of the love that's being expressed. And so if we get that through the call, I, and I've been there physically, but for those who are listening on, you know, it is the love that they express that makes the difference. It is the competence that moves us forward, but it's the love that brings the change. So this has been the Drawing Board Podcast with the Bloom Project family. Uh, listen, I'm going to shout you out again. Houston, South Carolina, Indianapolis, Detroit. Fort Wayne for sure. Or we used to say, look, hey, Nadrin, I'm not Nadrin, uh, uh, Faison, we used to say Fort Wheezy, but I, I don't know, if, I don't know if they still say that, man. Uh, or they call it the second city or whatever, you know, something like that. But either way, man, I appreciate you all. I love you all. Uh, the drawing board nation, our quote is this create an experience that will transform the world and bloom project is definitely doing that. All right, for everybody, your future is not behind you. It's not before you. It is within you. Thank you all for being my guest this evening. And uh, we're going to connect offline. God bless everybody. Peace.